0: Episode 94 of the Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and this week I am joined by Brian and Kevin. Kevin gets a little lost along the way, but he does join us eventually. We are three artists, illustrators, filmmakers, and all round shit talkers, and each week we take some of the Endless Stream of content brought to you through Netflix, Disney, Hulu, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your content, we take a chunk of it, we watch it, and we talk about it. This week we are talking about the menu with Annie Taylor Joy, Nicholas Holt, Ray Fiennes. We talk about. Bottle Rocket, which is Wes Anderson's first film, we talk a little bit about Warzone, we talk a little bit about anime, and we talk a little bit about our desires to watch broader ranges of films, we talk about a bunch of stuff. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast, heading to Spotify or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, all of these good things really help us out, on top of that, you can head over to Instagram, at the endless Cast. over there. It's a good place to comment or send us a message. You can suggest something for us to watch. You can disagree with our opinions. You can like the art we put up. You can like the clips we put up. You can dislike it by commenting or some such. On top of that, you can send us an email at TheEndlessCast at gmail.com. All of that being said, let's get into the episode. Kevin is restarting his computer because it's... Being silly, but Brian is here with us for the first episode, or his first episode of the year.
1: Whoop whoop! How you doing, Brian? I'd give him more enthusiastic woo if I didn't have a cough. and a sore oh. throat,
0: <coughs> and that's the reason you weren't with us last <coughs> week as well. You have whatever that thing going around is that seems to have knocked everybody in their ass for a while. Um, so far, I've managed to avoid it, but um,
1: I've just had the cough. With the cough, just the is... a cough, really. Well, up until like a day ago, it's been a cough um, and it's just not even the worst cough I've ever had, but uh, it is really fucking with my sleep. The cough is getting better, but now just since yesterday, it's kind of developing into a bit of a sore throat and that is no fun, none fun.
0: Well, did you, before you got the the, the plague here, did you, did you have any fun over the New Year's, over the Christmas? Did you get to go or do or see anything? Hmm.
1: My brother had a, a a party, and I spent most of that playing with his new kitten, and it was great. It was good stuff. Oh, new kitten.
0: What's the kitten's name?
1: Um, I don't know if it's finalized, but they've, they've been calling it Cosmo.
0: Oh, cool. After Kramer. yeah uh, yes. Hmm. I love it. I love it. I was trying to, like, I got up early there and went downstairs to have a have a coffee early and and try and do a little writing, and like I like to be. I don't know, present in the house as opposed to shut away in this living room but the minute I sit on the couch at this point I am covered in cats. It's like one cat today found a way specifically to to perch itself in such a way that its head was resting on my notebook and it's it's not conducive to accomplishing anything.
1: No, it's not not really, really, is it?
0: No, it's lovely and all and I do like the cats but then you just feel like a hermit going look, I have to actually try and do some work so I got to get up and go back to me office and do that nonsense um I got nothing written
1: I mean that that's writing as far as I as I know mm. that the, is, th- th- the thoughts are
0: percolating that's the
1: process of writing
0: mm. I um we were playing call of duty the other night and I I've, I've uninstalled I had a little app installed that like streamers and podcasters and stuff are probably aware of voice meter banana i think is what it's called um and it just creates like alternate channels that you can patch audio through so your computer might have a default you know desktop audio the microphone audio and whatever and it just creates alternate channels so that you can be like playing a bed of music in the background of things without it going through your headphones as well and you know just create separate channels but it's fucked up my call of duty forever And I've never quite figured out how to get it all lined up so that like, I'm hearing in-game events and I'm hearing the chat that I'm playing with and the microphone's going in. So I finally uninstalled it because I haven't Twitch streamed since my dad had his heart attack in like 2021. Like it was a a crazy stressful time and I just went, I can't do this every day. I have to, whatever the hell. 2020, I guess, was the end of 2020. Um, So it's just been a nuisance since then. But... All that is to say, um, I finally got it working and the proximity chat function in Call of Duty is fun now that like when you get close to people, you can hear them talking. But the first thing I heard on Call of Duty was, would you rather have nipples for toes or toes for nipples?
1: It's a real thinker. Well, I mean, it depends on the toe and nipple length. I mean, nipples come in all sorts a of sizes. A wide variety of shapes and sizes. variety of shapes and sizes. Yeah. Shapes and, sizes. And, and the question is, if we have nipples for toes, mm. um... Do they still function like toes?
0: I think we have to... Ooh, right?
1: I was going to say they need... still
0: function as nipples.
1: No, but they still function as toes because you need toes. So would they be like sized up so that you could walk around? Because if that's the case, then can I have nipple-sized toes? Because I was going to say no toes, but then if we could have like little nipple-sized ones, that mightn't be so bad.
0: The, the... Because the, here's the <laughs> thing, you'd
1: have 10 nipples... Versus two mm. toes, is that a good thing to you? As in, no, no. As in, ten nipples would be bad. Versus two toes. Well, this is what I'm. This is so what if, I'm if saying. So, if you could have yeah. two nipple-sized toes, and you only need one, like one toe each. Like, if you, if you, if you're like a tiny little micro baby toe for a nipple, that mm. wouldn't be so bad. But if you would like toe-length nipples, that'd be fucking disgusting. Ten of them. That's, yeah. I think that
0: just the, 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 the the flaccidness, the various states of nipple that one encounters, um, it makes them sort of, it makes it an unreliable base on which to walk around, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Like they'd, they'd need bones. And then is it, is it a nipple anymore if it's got a bone in it? Not, well it wouldn't so. have
0: bones, you know, the, the the nature of the question. You see, that's why it's weird if you go that's what part of what makes it so weird to say you'd have toe sized or toes for nipples because So you're basically asking
1: someone, you know, do they want to walk again?
0: But do right? people must there must be people without toes that walk, right? You adapt, you change your gait accordingly. You probably use the the sort of what would you call it, the bridge end of the, yeah, but the that, ball of the that,
1: foot? That's people with no toes. Mm. If you put nipples at the end and they're as sensitive as nipples, how are you going to walk on no. those?
0: This is, this is the fear of it. But like, I was, what I was thinking about was the concept of having to clip your nipple nails. Your nipple what? T- Toenails growing out of your chest. Having to clip them.
1: I rarely have to clip my baby toe because that nail, it just never seems to grow. That's interesting. So if I've now gotten like, I've got small baby toes as well, man. So I don't think it'd be so bad. I reckon my baby toes are the size of some people's actual nipples, so... I'm going with baby toes sized nipple. Preferably smaller, because nipple sized. That's my answer.
0: I think that's where I ended up as well.
1: And I keep my toes.
0: Yeah. Okay, it's a good thing we got to the bottom of that.
1: It is. Thank you, proximity chat.
0: Yeah, that shit is wild. It's good fun. Um now that it's now that it's working <clears> for me. Um does lead to sort of paranoia because you kind of want to be I wanna be in the game, you know, which is like cool, I should have it on. But I I talk too loosely, you know what I mean? I'm just chatting.
1: I saw I mean, it um, makes you a, target. a TikTok and it was probably faked. There was a guy kinda searching a building and he could hear somebody because they were singing very loudly and they were singing that Natasha Beddingfield song. I don't know the name of the song. The Feel the Rain on Your Skin one. Oh, the guy right. the guy's yeah. the guy yeah. starting from like, you know, the standing with the something before you know it's building and building so the guy is listening and he's he's using proximity chat to narrow down where the guy is and it's it's too perfectly timed because he 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 arrives at him just as it gets to the field of rain and his skin part and he joins in and the guy turns around and goes what the fuck and he shoots him it was a funny idea probably fake but you know it was like a sketch it was like a sketch executed through the medium of it was good that's no. good.
0: I love that it's a it's a medium now. They introduced a um, that's so funny. Uh, we're, we're kind of we're watching at the same time a WhatsApp chat where Kevin is dealing with computer updates. So he'll be joining us eventually. Warzone introduced a feature called DMZ. I don't know if I talked about this. I did definitely didn't talk about it with you anyway. And it's kind of like <clears throat> I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like a campaign. You you set mission goals. And your, uh, loadout is based on what you accrue the last time you played. So if you die in game, you lose everything. But if you get in, complete your mission, get to an extraction point and get out, you, you know, you keep your loot, you keep your money, you keep what you found. And you, the, the, the goal is to, you know, get a streak going of how many Missions you get in, achieve, and extract from without dying and losing all your shit. Um, I'm very bad at it. Um, the place is populated with bots all over the place. So suddenly you're in occupied territory, and you have to, you know, find an item, loot a loot a zone, take a stronghold. And what do you mean by bots? Like
1: like NPC enemies or? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So every every sort of location is populated with not fake people that not can fake users. Not. Fake users, you know, like we know that these are artificial characters that the computer is controlling. It's like just like playing a campaign, like a Call of Duty game. There's just bad guys, yeah. Um, but the thing is, as well, peppered in amongst that are a much smaller percentage of actual players, like live humans, um, uh, in the game. And the, so it's not like, uh, it's not like, um, Oh, God. It's not like Battle Royale where there's 200 people in there and it's a fucking free-for-all. You know, there's there's the bots that are doing their job protecting environments, just minding <coughs> their own business unless you buzz by or open fire or actually assault. So you can avoid them a lot of the time. Um, I don't. I just run straight into it and cause shit shows because um, I'm a problem. Um, a problem. And, you know, then there's, I don't know, 10, 20 other teams in the map. I don't know what the actual number is. Uh, it is fun. The proximity chat Does leave you option to to just say, "Hey, do you want to team up?" You know, so you can invite a party and you expand your squad that way. I think it's up to six. Um, Live people will camp the extraction points, and like when you're trying to get out, just tear you asunder and steal your shit. Um, It's good fun. It's an interesting move for Warzone. You know, two years, three years in to just introduce this whole other element or other style of gameplay to it. Um, I'm enjoying it. I'm fucking terrible. But I'm enjoying the like the change up in gameplay. I guess it's a little like, like Daisy type of thing as well, like zombie characters running around. Or Call of Duty is 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 keeping me. Twenty twenty, I started playing that fucking game. I definitely look fucking like if you were to take a picture of me at the start of the pandemic and then this screenshot. <laughs>
1: I mean, I think if you take any screenshot on.
0: Did, did you get anything nice at Christmas? Books, money. DVDs, Cigars, cigarettes.
1: I got a cool book. Um, I think it's actually based on a podcast. It was a guy... I believe he was trying to get him... it's two guys, one of them an anime fan, the other not. And the anime fan was trying to get his friends to watch a bunch of <clears throat> Studio Ghibli films. And he subsequently did. So it's a book from the creators of the podcast, but it's um it goes further than, than Ghibli. Um it's very cool. It's um most of the stuff in there I've heard of, but there's kind of a couple of pages on like just the the production, how the thing came about sort of the making of essentially, and then there's a couple of pages on their review of the anime. Um really nice book. Sorry.
0: Cool. Is it um is it like just little reviews or, or little like like this is my experience with X Film? I literally
1: just said. Like I literally just explained what it was. <laughs> well, I guess I'm it's it's I will guess I'm it, unclear from it. Uh, I know I know I know but yeah, okay. The there it's 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 a pretty expansive sort of library of different anime films, and the first half of each section about each production, it's about the production, it's about the making of, it's about the people behind it, the history around it, the legacy of that thing. And then the second part of the entry is their review. And it's really nice. It is called the Ghibliotech anime movie guide. Ghibliotech. That's hilarious. I like it. Do you need a coffee or?
0: No, I, I
1: there is no way
0: to explain what my brain did to leave me uncertain as to what a simple, con- like it's a really simple concept. I get the book. I think it's a, my first thought is like, I would see that type of book in shops and walk straight fucking past it. Cause it's some, you know, company made tie in thing. That's just like, here's a list of all the Marvel heroes, you know? and And we see that sort of stuff. So when you said that it was coming from a podcast where they started doing a thing that the other, I guess I was looking for like, what's the thing that makes it sort of unusual from that? And as we talked, I realized it doesn't have to be, it just has to be
1: what exactly you said it is. Wonderful. That was a really nice segment. That was good stuff. Really nice.
0: Love you too, buddy. Um, What's, is there anything in there you didn't know? Any any films in there you've never seen?
1: There's a couple of films I haven't seen. I think I've heard of most of them, but even, like, I think the first one up is... Uh, I don't think I'd heard of it, and I haven't seen it. It's called... One moment, please. It's called mm. Panda and the Magic Serpent, or The White Snake Enchantress. I've heard of the folktale. It's based on a Chinese folktale. And even the art style is... Um, it looks more Chinese than, than Japanese. It is from mm. nineteen fifty eight. Jesus. So, yeah. So I hadn't heard of it, hadn't seen it, but like I said, I had heard of kind of White, the folk white car, Serpent. Yeah. Well, even just little bits of it. Um mm. so that is like the first entry. Um just gives you a little synopsis. So uh the Disney of the East, drawing inspiration from a Chinese folktale, Panda and the Magic Serpent, also known as the White Snake Enchantress, tells the story of a young man. Uh, Zhu Jian I think who falls in love with Bai Niang a white snake that is magically transformed into a human girl 1958 director Taiji Yabushita 78 minutes long Um so there's a bit of a history of the thing and then there's a review and it's pretty cool the next one is The Little Norse Prince which I have heard of I think I know that one I haven't one, seen yeah. yet I, this might have been maybe not this one but
0: Just, just going to Google that. Partially inspired.
1: I I might be mistaken, but I think some of the art in this partially inspired the kind of look of Wind Waker. I might be mixing that up with something else, but even if I am, I can see in Wind Waker influence. Um, That was 1968. I haven't. I might have actually seen that. I think I have seen that, but on. YouTube, somebody uploaded bits of it. It's a bit. um, after that is Belladonna of Sadness again. I have seen some of that on YouTube. That one's pretty hard to come by as far as I know.
0: Belladonna of Sadness. Belladonna of
1: Sadness, yeah. So is. Uh, Adapted from Michelet's 1862 book, Les Sorcière. Belladonna of Sadness tells the erotically charged. I love it already story of a young woman the art living going, in rural medieval France who was sexually assaulted by a nobleman on her wedding day. Seeking revenge and the power to overcome adversity, she turns to witchcraft and makes a pact with the devil himself. It's inspired a lot of stuff, clearly. Lovely art, art style, though, isn't it?
0: It's gorgeous. Well, I mean, the art I'm seeing on Google is stunning. I'm just like, is that what the film looks like?
1: Yes, Lovely, washy, but it, it's, it isn't like... It isn't fully animated, if you get me. You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is gorgeous.
0: It's the type you see at a like animation festival type of stuff. So, I guess that brings. When you say it's pretty hard to find, it's
1: like, do we? It might be easier now.
0: Crunchyroll.
1: I I watch way less anime than I used to. You see, so I don't use anything.
0: There are some of these streaming services that I'm
1: still like... Is that available in there? It's probably easier to come by now, to be honest. That's the thing. The next entry is uh, Castle of Cagliostro, which I have.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, After that is Mm. Night on the Galactic Railroad, which I do not believe I have heard of. Nope, I don't know that one, to be honest. After Mm. that is Wings of uh, Hanimis, which... I had I might have it in my attic on VHS uh-huh. that was described as um, cool. like anime's version of the right stuff it's very good has an amazing soundtrack by Ryuichi Sakamoto next one is uh, Akira which I have after that is Wujin Z which I had Nin- Ninja Scroll Ghost in the Shell Metropolis so there's a bunch of this stuff I have But Mm. it's very cool all the same because there's, you know, uh, I haven't read about really manga in a long time in that kind of way. Um, I recently found like a bunch of old issues of Manga Magazine and that's where I kind of got my first intro to it along with World Cinema because they reviewed Hong Kong cinema and stuff as well. So that was the first time Mm. I would have read. I would have read reviews of Wong Kar Wai films before I'd ever seen a single one. So... Mm -hmm. Kind of cool. Kevin is back. Everything working I'm good? waiting for
0: him to chime in because I'm letting him sort his sound out so he can tell us when he's ready. Can you hear through your headphones? Right, so this audio isn't going to work because your mic will be picking up what's coming out of your speakers. Right, okay. Cool. So he's still, until he's hearing out of his headphones, he is just a looming presence, a lurker. A lurker, if you will, some sort of pod creep. Well, did you see any trailers then, Brian, in the last week that piqued your fancy? Anything game related, book related, movie related? Uh, No. I threw a trailer in for uh, Marlowe. I started watching it. The trailer? Mm. Dipped off? Dipped off. It doesn't. It's frustrating that it looks sort of. I don't know if it's, that it's the digital photography or the cinematography or something about it looks kind of soap opera-y, looks kind of like cheap production values. Somehow it, like, again, it must get, like, making anything, period, is not cheap. The fact that we're looking at those old cars and those costumes and the thing, it's like, it can't be cheap. But something about it looks off. Um, and then you start seeing the cast and it's, you know, Liam Neeson and Jessica Lang and Alan Cumming and, Directed by Neil Jordan and like it's it's not an insignificant production by any means looking at it, but just something about it just when we've seen like Marlowe films throughout the years, this doesn't look like it's gonna be a great entry. It's uh, it's hard
1: to make something kinda of look slick and professional without veering into like you said. You know, a, a TV production or something. Hmm. I watched Collateral recently, you know, which was presumably shot on digital. Hmm. Really? I think it was. Yeah. Interesting. I think That's uh, Michael Mann. Two thousand and four, five. Five, I think. Um, Mann was big into digital because you could shoot. At night. Nice. You you, well, not even that. You, oh, yeah. you can shoot at night better. And you didn't need, like, as an elaborate um, a lighting setup. So he could be a bit more gorilla, kind of, I guess, with, with the setup. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, that looks. Is oh. the difference then there that he's, you know, he's always got, like, a great location? Is that the difference? Because it still feels cinematic, you know? It looks. Yeah. It looks digital, but it does. He just have a better eye for for composition. Is he working with better cinematographers, or you know, he he's kind of famous for having these great locations in everything he shoots. You know, does he just have really good mm. location scouts? Um,
0: yeah, like th- like is it the voiceover as well? Like Liam Neeson's particular voice, trying to do that hardboiled detective thing as well, almost seems caricature. You know, it's the like she walked into my office and she, knew, I knew she was trouble. You know, like that sort of, like I'm not attempting a Liam Neeson impression, but like it's that sort of hard boiled detective yeah, go stuff. On. It, it's all of the go elements. On. Like I was a big fan of that Perry Mason show, and that's the same era and the same essential vibe. But that looked and felt correct. Yeah. Correct.
1: Yeah. So I mean, is it a is it a post production thing? You know. Mm which I'd imagine it could be because there's certain production companies you know like I think we're talking about it, anonymous content and stuff and the, the kind of people behind shows like Atlanta where or even something like Barry you know mm. there's a there's a I think there's a probably significant post-production component in in those type of productions I think it shows could it be that this does not does this just have the kind of production side of things and then is there a, uh, kind of a lack of is the post-production an afterthought because you, you can't you can't just light it and shoot it with like fancy cameras and kind of have a look you, you, there there's things you need to do afterwards you know do you, like yeah you know it was even color shot grading choices. and stuff I mean, and
0: i'd have to watch it again but like shot choices that like I, i'm sure there's a big like sweeping pan around a uh 1930s car speeding around a corner and it's like that's feels so energetic and dynamic and, and modern car chase rather than that era you know um you know maybe the the visual language we expect of a 30s noir is simpler and in, in it's like there's one or two shots in there of Liam Neeson doing a little bit of the taken combat type of like You know, that era stuff is Humphrey Bogart just throwing one punch, you know what I mean? Very ham-fisted. Are there that many Philip Marlowe... Like, there's loads of books, but are there many films? Like, I can think of The Big Sleep and The Long Goodbye. And I have this idea that there's loads of films, but when I look, I'm not sure if they aren't all, like...
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of detectives occupying the same space, so there might only be a handful of Marlowe films, but there's a bunch of other private investigators that kind of fit the... Fit the archetype, maybe.
0: Bogart played Marlowe and <coughs> Sam Spade. Robert Mitchum seems to have played Marlowe as well. I love the Elliot Gould one. I love the long, long Goodbye.
1: Fantastic film.
0: And I think part of that as well is like just going, okay, it's Marlowe, but we're in the late 60s. Let's just shoot it in the late 60s and have it be what it is, you know? And there was something to the, like, I don't know, the slightly disaffected Vietnam-era you know, like they had a they had a whole sort of like downbeat recession era kind of bit of filmmaking as well like Marlowe stuff was sort of post-World War Two. like there were phases in history where some, or phases in film of like a lot of optimistic filmmaking and then a lot of like cynical kind of filmmaking And um, I know that there's a, a broad range of both going on at the same time but you know, that 60s era um, has a reputation for protest film and reinvention and the studios changing direction and easy riders raging bowls that whole American new wave stuff am I just saying lots of words and not saying anything you get, um, yeah
1: I was waiting for you to get somewhere I was giving you time yeah yeah
0: um, I, I guess what I was getting to was the, the sense that like the era that that film was made fit with the era where the character was created you know there was a, a similar vibe of like somebody's gonna have to do something the government's not necessarily on our side like Um, Three Days of the Condor is one where people talk about that in terms of like it's post-Nixon, post-Watergate film that's like showing an American cinema goer a sense of like the government isn't necessarily going to help you. In fact, sometimes they're just covering shit up and then they don't necessarily have your best interests at heart. You know, like sometimes people are just out for money and I think there's a lot of uh, of that at the moment but whether or not Marlowe is the the character to sort of embody this oh, I nearly said the word zeitgeist.
1: <laughs> That's okay.
0: <laughs> I like Marlowe, I like Liam Neeson, I like Neil Jordan, I love seeing Colin Meaney and things. I've got a I've got a, a lovely uh, uh affection for his big Irish head. Um so whenever he's working I'm happy. Um I will check this out. I'm not holding it in crazy high hopes. Like what was the Dillinger movie with Johnny Depp? That was Michael Mann as well. That was Mann as well, yeah. Yeah, there's something about that I didn't...
1: Yeah, it didn't click.
0: It didn't click. Like, you you can't say it's not a well-made film, but you don't want to go and revisit it. Is there anything else? There's like Gangster Squad was a, a sort of mid-2000s thing as well. Like, we've, there's been a lot of swings at this 30s thing or 30s, 40s detective thing. Um, But it's not always successful. I remember reading... Um, I think it's Killings Under the Flower Moon... Is the name of it killing some of the flowers i was reading it when i broke my leg and it's something that scorsese has since optioned and it's about it's about how a, a tribe of native americans uh, their reservation was inadvertently like on i think oil land um so there was a the oil was being drilled harvested produced whatever but the 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 way it was was that every member of the the tribe is entitled to a cut of the the value of the oil um and somebody i can't remember all the ins and outs of the 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 scheme somebody just slowly started killing off numbers of these people um in such a way that was sort of uh advantageous to the oil producer, basically. It was like they were they were taking um, rights, entitlement, whatever. They were going to make money off of getting rid of the natives that were living on the land. I bring that movie up just to... or that book up because it addressed the idea that like there wasn't a centralised concept of policing in the 20s and 30s. There wasn't computers, there wasn't records, there wasn't shared databases, there wasn't a lot of cooperation. And that's why the notion of the private detective... Uh, blew up the idea that like if you wanted something investigated if you wanted actual police work to be done around a grievance or a crime or something done against you often you had to employ somebody to just actually do the work because the police weren't going to do it um and that was like reading that was a real um I loved it. I, it was a, like a nice eye opener or a nice um, an explanation as to why detectives became so prolific in that era and why it's not really a thing anymore. And we have to couch it back then. There aren't as many sort of private detectives or, or an obsession with private detectives at the moment. We still make noir movies and stuff, but, you know, private detection is a very niche, niche thing at this point. That case led to the formation of the FBI, I think, or was one of the first cases that the FBI were actually investigating because it was a cross-state kind of, like, and an reservations uh, crime. There was... I can't remember the specifics of it. I read the thing in 2017 on a lot of morphine for a broken leg. So it was in one eye and out the other, as I was reading. Still <laughs> some of that
1: special? morphine kicking about, I think.
0: Good book. Martin Scorsese's making it. I think DiCaprio's in it. I think De Niro's in it. It's coming. Looking forward to it. Um, And... Uh, it informed my understandings of film noir and detection and policing. Ramble, ramble, ramble. Kevin, how are you getting on? No bueno. This is great. You're like Lindsay Buckingham in that SNL sketch. We'll get time to talk to Kevin before the end. Brian, what up with that?
1: What up with that? Mm. Is Kenan Thompson still kicking about? He is, yeah. He's still yeah, in... Um, I don't like that guy. You don't like
0: that guy. We've covered that. Like um, that has he... Has he done something in particular, or you just find him? I think we've covered I this don't a little like bit. Okay, <laughs> okay, all right. I like Keenan. Until 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 uh, proven otherwise, I will continue to like Keenan. He's just not funny, um, though. That's
1: the thing. He's not.
0: I enjoy his presence. He's a positive input to you. Just specific. like familiar things. That's what that is. Damn, damn. He's 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 not wrong. Shit i watched the menu last night did you watch the menu i
1: did see the menu yeah i liked it
0: did you did you enjoy it i
1: did quite liked it yes
0: i enjoyed it too the menu is an example of a film that has got enough publicity and enough fucking tiktok clips that like it turned me off it okay like i i didn't want to watch it and also like I have enough association with the foodie world and have been raised around it enough that like I don't sure. want to watch that content. Yeah. I don't want to see it. It doesn't interest me. Um, I find it as pretentious as the filmmaker who made this film finds it, obviously, because he was definitely leaning into the
1: like... I think it's just poking leaning. fun at it, though. Um, yeah. But I, I, course, I, I, but I, I suppose my my experience with it is I saw the trailer and I thought it looked interesting. And mm. the next thing I saw was, um, the two writers did an interview on Seth Meyers, okay. and one of the writers of the menu, uh, he's a writer for Seth Meyers. Okay. Um, and the other writer, um, used to write for The Onion. He writes for Succession and other stuff. So I'd right. seen them talk about where the film kind of came from before I'd seen it. So I had literally just seen the trailer and thought it looked interesting and then saw mm. them talk about it. Um, so kind of knowing that there's a strong comedy background and yeah. then one of the, one I, of the, I
0: kind of got to the end of it and saw Adam McKay in the credits and was yeah. like, Oh, that makes sense.
1: And one of the main writers, the guy who doesn't write for Seth Meyers, um, I think he kind of calls himself a foodie and mm. he, was saying he initially got the idea when he went to I think it's the place in I got this wrong I think it's Norway where you've got it Noma I don't know if it was Noma but I I looked it up and there's a there's a bunch of similar ones but it's probably Noma we've got to get the boat out there and he he, he was saying that he's a bit of a a, kind of claustrophobic so once he kind of landed on the island and started to feel like you know a bit claustrophobic and he started thinking that you know we're really trusting in them to kind of treat us well and when he got back he, he kind of pitched the idea to the other writer who's Seth reese um so it, it, well, he, it, it's it's
0: it's very easy to go from like i, I don't mean like once you see it once somebody has twigged it written it and presented it in front of you it's a very logical step to go oh yeah the the obsession and dedication to this stuff is very cult-like <clears throat> or can be seen as very cult-like sorry you were saying no,
1: it's just I, I as much as I think you know i I don't think they necessarily think it's entirely pretentious. I think they just kind of looked at the extreme version of all types of food appreciation and then looked at the worst mm. the worst version of it. so the people who just have the money and spend money, the pretentious critic, the mm-hmm. devout foodie um I don't think it's necessarily calling any one of those things wrong. it just gave us the worst version of. Of each other oh things, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, but it it is it is highlighting <laughs> it is yeah, highlighting sure. the worst version, yeah. you, which you can do with uh, anybody's love of any yeah, thing. Exactly. You know what I mean? You yeah. can you can do that with anything. And Rafe Fiennes is great. I enjoy John Leguizamo, um, uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah, I mean like, she's really good and stuff. She wouldn't have been the draw for. I guess I came to see Rafe. I think Rafe did a good job there. I've only seen like Holt. i said that
1: one trailer, so I don't know if I. I don't know if it was a bit of misdirection in the trailer, or if it was just like I said, I'd seen that one trailer, but it kind of made it seem going to spoil stuff a bit here. But it made it seem okay. like Holt and Joy's characters were more of a couple that kind of found mm. themselves in a situation. Whereas from the start, Nicholas Holt is terrible. He's a fucking he's he's a prick. He's awful. Yeah. Um, which yeah.
2: Is this a menu? Yeah, I watched it. It's very good. I'm back. I have hello everybody, <laughs> and that's been this week's episode of the end of stream. Goodbye, folks. <laughs> Off. Oh. <laughs> sorry, Brian. Yes, yeah, the menu. Go on. Nicholas Holt was great in it. But gone.
1: I think in the first trailer, maybe I picked it up wrong, but it made it seem like they were more of a kind of a loving couple, mm, and, established couple. Yeah. You know, whereas right right from the start, it kind of pulls the rug out from under you, um, which is good. Like it, yeah. and I I like that the. The trailer, there was a bit of misdirection in the trailer. I thought that was, I thought was
0: yeah. Cool. I mean, I, I think that, like, it's it's a lovely little thing where it's just like, like, that one moment where he's like, Oh, I didn't go to prom. Like, none of the cool girls said yes. And it's like, and she goes, Oh, babe. And it's like, that's a nice, like, I, I again, I haven't seen the trailer. I'm just going, taken singularly, that moment is sweet. Yeah. When he kind of objectifies her as one of the cool girls for the third time, you're like, Okay, this is, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's put herself, he's, he's put her in, in a category rather than seeing her as a person. Um, so yeah, without going any, I guess, further into that, like everybody in this film is, is a very well observed extreme of an archetype. Um, finds as good fun the, the editing, the sense of humor around. Um, when the when the menu items are presented with their little instructions and stuff, have you it's watched lovely.
1: Chef's Table? But the, those those inserts are directly the that. So
2: yes, yeah, that's
0: the kind of like I guess referential stuff that you can see and just go. I don't need to have seen Chef's Table. I a hundred percent get that. Um, like I said, um, like my mother's a food critic, so. I was raised around foodie nonsense and it's all lovely and whatever. I just, I'm not big into it myself. Um, Did your mom no, watch the movie? No, I don't think my mother would have time for it really. Um, there's some, some things she digs into and loves and some things She's just like, she'll give it like 30 seconds and then yeah. she'll flock out. Um, it's too, I don't like, I think if it was more like she enjoyed the bear, Um. Which, you know, I think it's too sort of dismantling. Yeah, my mother doesn't like a crazy conceit. Um, sci-fi, fantasy, horror, anything like that. Sort of like, no, she likes drama. Um, which is fair. Which is what you like. Um, oh, I was getting somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I, I I think I listened to the Mark Kermode review and it might have put me off it. But I, I didn't listen to all of it. I think he was just like... Stacking it next to Glass Onion, and when I watched it, I was like, "This shouldn't be watched next to Glass Onion. Very, These are not the same Very different,
1: thing. yeah. And I, I saw, yeah, one of the kind of criticisms I saw of it before I went, before I saw it, was um that the end kind of gets a bit generic, kind of thriller. And I kind of disagree. Like it, it definitely mm. does in places, but I, I think once you view it in the lens. Of a black comedy, yeah. Rather than expecting it to go to, it, it can remind me in some way of um, Midsummer. I was about uh, to say, yeah. And I, I think, I think watching it expecting Midsummer is, is a mistake because mm. it was never, it was never intending to go to like that strange kind of surreal horror kind yeah. of place it, it was just yeah. more it's, it's more overtly of a, a black comedy and yeah when you watch and it I like think... that then the ending it, it definitely gets a bit generic but i don't think it was ever trying to be it was it was never trying to be an a24 film you
0: know yeah and that's that's what i was watching because i was watching it and as they're setting up the like oh isn't this lovely and isn't this that and the other and then there's like something creepy in the distance or whatever it's like i was getting like midsummer vibes or like um uh, uh, Wicker Man kind of. Yeah. And I've said to you before. I I don't know what it was about that particular because, like, uh, growing up, you watching TV shows. Every every TV show cribbed like the stories that were like. I've I've seen Stargate SG One do the Wicker Man. I've seen X Files do the Wicker Man. I've seen uh, 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 Randall and Hopkirk do the Wicker Man. I've seen so many versions of that. And I've, I've seen same things for A Christmas Carol and and It's a Wonderful Life and whatever. You pick a. You pick a sort of familiar story and you tell your version of it and it's whatever so i'm kind of hypersensitive specifically to the wicker man because i don't like it as a story i i i think part of it is it's doing its job it scares me i don't like that idea of rural isolation and cults it's the same reason i don't like the high sparrow narrative in game of thrones because it's cultishness masquerading as and um, piety and it, it's part of why i have issues with catholicism um I haven't seen that transfer. Anyway, I've gone way off. But, like, the menu rode that line of being a bit like that, but never quite going fully there, yeah. which made me not detach from it. And even as extreme as Ray Fine's character is, there is a little bit of, like, reasonableness to him, which allows me to sort of still lock in. Like, it, it's kind of like the Banshees of Inish Aron as well. There's this... Lunatic conceit of I will cut my fingers off if you talk to me again, and that's the sort of like we're going to keep that.
1: That's that's and the like, lo- he's kind of broken by this kind of pursuit for perfection and you mm-hmm. know striving to do one thing and then serving it to people that he feels are ungrateful, as mm-hmm. opposed to having this like his his intention was always to sort of end things. You know, yeah. it's kind of like enough of oh, this. And he's picked people. Yeah, as, as opposed to a, a sort of a cult-like figure who's doing this thing in a cycle and whose who's intention is to sort of control and keep control and kind of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's coming from a very different place. So his character yeah. is, he's more of a broken person that yeah. through his, his pursuit for perfection has a, a following as opposed to a sort of a, a manipulator who who was kind of, you know, swayed or convinced people to, to get behind some bullshit. He he, yeah. he never really sought out to have this devotion. And then he, he bought into a thing. He has this mental break because he's pursued this thing and, he, like, he's, you know, he's got givers and takers and he's all these people kind of supporting him mm. and his vision. But he's never, he's not the same as, you know, the cult in Midsummer, or the cult in Wicker Man or, or, you know,
0: mm. it's different. Yeah. And it's, yeah, see, I'm just, I'm.
1: And that's why. He, that... he,
0: he bought into a thing and they all bought into a thing to the point that even as they achieved it, they went, what the fuck are we doing? They were able to break the obsession and then it turned in on itself and became destructive. But like, like, he sort of rec- I'm, like, I'm looking at that I in terms of like that's the thing I suppose is, you people know. that build towards career, you know, yeah. anybody like, there's there's a you do see um, people online talking about the idea that like they've been raised and it's a fight club thing as well. You know, it's it's like go to school, get a job, have a family. This is the thing you have to do. These are the, the, the obsess, obsessed, obsessed, obsessed. And then you kind of get there and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? And is there what's the what is the end goal of this? I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. is basically where I'm getting to um and the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, oh yeah, I did really enjoy it
1: um in the cinema at the same time as it um and also on Disney plus at the same time was barbarian, which you should at least attempt to watch. Did you okay. talk about it yet? No, no,
0: okay, have you watched it all right well well i will if i if I yes. watch it, will we talk about it next week? okay, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. that gives us a bit of like. Yeah. Are you now going? Oh fuck! He's going to actually have to watch it. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Well then, I will watch it, and we will talk about it next week. Okay. Um. Uh, I'm endeavouring to watch. Yeah, it's awesome. More films this year from a wider range of places. Um. I definitely think I fell into a Marvel rabbit hole. We've talked about that. Um. A Disney Plus cycle, and I I think there's there's better and more varied to watch. To that end, we've mentioned on here that um, Kevin and I signed up for Letterboxd and I'm kind of using that to like browse around the place and try and uh, find some have stuff. Have
1: you watched on Colleen Coon yet? No. See,
0: that's that's part of my no. like. No, I won't. I need to watch. Stop. Shit of substance. Sure. Not even of substance in a way that the stuff that we have been watching isn't, but it's just like I'm a little I'm a little wiped out on explosions. That being said, trailer for Ant Man: Quantum Mania. Um, to bring it back to our Marvel roots, did you watch the trailer, Kevin?
2: Yes, I watched some of the trailer. I don't watch all of these trailers. I watched a good portion. Did of you it. see Modok? Uh, I saw the Modok without the or with the mask, but there's a shot of him without yeah. the mask. Is there? Yeah, I saw a freeze frame of it. Um, I, I mean, like you I, know, it's so it's so corner
0: of the shot, and it's so trailer a few months out that I'm like, maybe it's going to be better, like. It's a it's a horrible
2: angle. Like, uh, he was a gross-looking character. I remember there was a toy of him when I was younger. I saw it in a shop, and I really wanted it, but it was I, I didn't get it. Mm. But it was gross, you know. Uh, he's a gross-looking character, so anything like that, trying to make a realistic version of it, it's going to make people uncomfortable. But that's why you shouldn't just scale a man's head up.
1: But I had, that's thing. I was surprised it's, that they didn't deform him. Like it literally yeah. just looks like Corey Stahl's head. Yeah. And it's odd, but I won't judge you yet
0: because. Yeah, we're still a few weeks out and that was a weird angle, yeah. you know. Um, I've heard they've done a
1: bunch of different reshoots, kind of shuffling stuff around. Apparently, initially Kang wasn't as major role in it, and now he is. Mm. Same for, for MODOK, I think. They, they've, they've shuffled a lot of stuff around, basically.
0: I mean, I'm just I'm just dropping an image into the chat here, Kev, um, because I don't think you're a Doctor Who head, but speaking of Doctor Who heads, no. um, this was a character from like season one of Doctor Who back in 2005 called the Face of Bo, and it was you know an oh, yes, an aged oh, entity, it and it's like that's that's 2005 and a limited I've Doctor Who it, budget, and it's just a big giant animatronic face, but it's deformed enough, and you know, like it. it that's kind uh, of what I was expecting from MODOK. Even if you tell me it's Corey Stoll having been, you know, inverted and revised by his trip to the quantum realm or whatever. Um, uh, that's more in line with what I was thinking I'd see. Um, like the weird stretchy head feels like an Instagram filter, you know? Or like Big Head Mode and eye from 96, 97.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you think Ant Man dies at the end? No. Nah, but
2: there's posters where like Ant Man's uh, helmet that is, is cracked. The,
0: the, That's got to indicate something, right? He's got to be dead at the
2: end, don't you see? Don't you see a smash in the movie? I don't know, but um, it's also time, so nothing, nothing in this is, uh, mm. you know, set in stone. But uh, what was I going to say? Uh, didn't Kevin Feige or someone? Say that this movie, I I I love like the point of references their own stuff, but it's like this is a civil war level movie. But it's like thanks for telling us, you know. Yeah. Let me let me let's let's watch and see if it's a, a, a civil war level mm. movie. Uh, but like oh actually, uh, I, I'm not gonna like not to get this too too but distracted. That's but it then, not working then. You know if civil
0: civil I war say, yeah. sat in a pecking order that led up to an Avengers or whatever, and we knew that we knew where we were. In a phase based on you know, oh that's that. This is where this feels like in terms of pacing and the narrative across the Marvel films. We're at Civil War. Like next up will be, mm. you know, if if they have to go, hey, yeah, this is had, how you had, should feel watching this one. Like, mm. uh, that's me not. We've we've covered this as well. Like
2: the the phase thing has gone wobbly because we don't know. Yeah how the yeah. structure is such the points of the to say like if they were building up to something to say like a secret war you could understand that there may be events before that in the comic books that they can you know uh do in the movies and stuff like civil you know like different points but i was gonna say i did see a movie i i, I haven't really seen anybody talk about it whatsoever actually but um i did see a little kind of video that marva put posted on their youtube that said the fu- the mcu future is already written you know and uh it starts just showing you all bits and pieces of like say uh the infinity stones. The original Infinity Stones with, with Thanos and all the kind of stuff and it starts showing you like say the Avengers coming together and all the kind of stuff yeah. in the comic books, you know? And I, I think that this basically the 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 message of the of the ad was like all the stuff that you love, the MCU and, and the screens mm-hmm. that you love that's that's all like that's yeah. all been written, you know that kind of way like that's that exists already. Go look at our books, you know. But it's kind of like uh, it's also like they're alluding to that like anything that it's gonna come up has been done already. Oh, you know, uh, what you know what, I mean? what I was going to, was what I was video. gonna say
0: is like it's it's first of all it's rest assured we know what we're doing, and secondly, um, if, I haven't seen that ad, but the first thing it made me think is the amount of sort of Warner Brothers outreach and James Gunn on Twitter saying you know oh, I haven't written this script yet and I haven't written that yet. like somebody suggested Cassidy because he keeps addressing the idea that like look we're at very early stages we're going to work this out it's going to be cool it's going to be grand and Marvel's response is it's already written you know it, it's a it, it um,
1: you oh, know yes, I interpret it same. as a
0: little dig but maybe I'm way off not a little dig like a, a, a gentle nudge nudge yeah we're not doing this but like I, I, again I googled like the list of what films are in the sort of Criterion collection and I was just having a look up and down and doing the like how many of these have I actually seen type of thing um, so I'm not going to do the like you know people who are like oh the 100 greatest books of all time and they go reading through them but I am as I say looking for um, a broader range of film and stuff but that one that one made me think of the there was the Criterion Channel was a streaming service that was supposed to be like classic movies accessible? There was, I think, Turner Classic Movies had a, a had a streaming service for a while. Yeah, it, okay. Is there one has has one established or got a foothold in Europe yet? Like Criterion is still U.S. only, I think. Um, every so often, I do check in there. Going, I would like to like, like I don't. Amazon seems to have a pretty shitty selection of those and Netflix does as well. Like, they had more at one point and they pulled them all off. But like, I would like a broader range of films available.
2: Speaking of Amazon. Go on. The Roadhouse movie.
0: Oh yeah. Um, There was a couple of, what, photos? Like, that thumbs down is indicating that you don't even want to talk about it or it looks like dog shit. Oh no,
1: it looks like dog shit. We can talk about it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm really disappointed, in Jake. And I don't. I don't
1: think people are I, aware, man. That that's the thing. That's, like, uh, that's the thing. The,
2: so so the uh, the I googled it, and there's sorry, I googled it, and there is a lot of articles abroad, not from Ireland, that state that a person is suing a person. Yeah, look. Uh, so it it's the first. But like, the, acting the, the role thing is,
0: for Conor McGregor the, is in a Roadhouse reboot with Jake Gyllenhaal. Some pictures appeared. If you're in Ireland. There's a bit of controversy around Conor McGregor that's been very evident in the news. Uh, locals have a different opinion of him than the world seems to have. I think it's, it's not evidence in the news. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know. I keep looking at it in terms of like, you know, like there's a couple of examples of media stuff where it's like if you were in L.A., you knew this person was doing this or you knew that person was doing this. Like local mm-hmm. news for local yeah, people. I know that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Every time I see somebody bigging up Conor McGregor or talking about here, here, you know, his you know, right? I get very squirrely.
1: Right around the time of, Me too. Gross. When would it have been? Probably post-Aldo, but kind of before fighting Diaz. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things happened. So like you, Conan, who I think did he sign with... There's a couple of different threads here. One, you've got William Morris Endeavor, which I think might now be called Endeavor. And the CEO of that is Ari Emanuel, I think. And Ari Emanuel is the guy who Ari Gold was based on in Entourage. Mm -hmm. So back around the time when Entourage came out, everything Ari Gold does is basically Ari Emanuel. And that was when he was like the most powerful agent in Hollywood. Now he's CEO Mm -hmm. of this massive Talent agency. He's not just an agent. He's he's like they own the UFC. Right. Uh, so I think, like I said, I think there was Conan at one point. he Either signed with, an, I think he signed with Endeavor. It's kind of a big deal, but I think it meant Endeavor. Conan oh, no, O'Brien. Yeah, and Endeavor Endeavor, Endeavor oh. bought Endeavor bought the UFC. So Conan right. then had shares, I think, in UFC. So Conan yeah. had McGregor on a couple of times. So there was this massive push behind McGregor because he's by far the biggest draw they've ever had. He's the most charismatic or was in in terms of like, mm. not, and I'm not saying I think he is. That's how people responded to him. He, so, he's, the biggest, he's, he's the biggest draw for he tickets. He the global tickets. success for it. Yeah, but...
2: Despite having a shit actual UFC
1: record. But he, he's got, he has, and I think this is one of the reasons why the cases, why... They didn't get as much. Why they've kept it on the wraps? He's got the power right. of of Endeavor behind him, yeah. and there's this massive push to make to make something of him. So, like when when you consider like the stuff in Entourage, is all based on shit that Ari Emanuel did. Mm. Uh, Ari Emanuel's brother is Rahm Emanuel, who was Obama's chief of staff, and he was then mayor of Chicago, and he's he's known for being the Ari of the political world, politics you know right. uh, so you're talking about this like immensely connected powerful person who before mm-hmm. like I, th- I think it was around the time of diaz um maybe post aldo because that was like he was he was definitely on the rise and then he was huge after he beat aldo the way he did mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he's had that sort of backing behind him since then um so i'm not i'm not you know, I am disappointed in in, in Gillen as well, but at the same time, is he even aware? Yeah, there is articles and stuff that, over there. That's my but, thing. Do you think people? Yeah. yeah, but like I said, he's got the power of of Endeavor behind him. They've they've been trying to make him an even bigger brand. He's got kind of more crossover potential because like th- th- this is they're they're not just uh they're not just film industry they're, they're agents for sports stars and everything else as well you know and basically so, uh, I've, so I've, like, I've taken a long time to say that he's got a lot of backing behind him behind like the the biggest talent agency in yeah
2: well, I hope I hope the movie bombs I think it will I hope it's not the start yeah. of his yeah. career I do not yeah. want to see McGregor in the MCU oh, God. God, no. Um, the like there are examples of people
0: who have got shitty doings in their history, right? Like, Mark Wahlberg is famously a case of, like, he's he's got, like, a... Oh, really, I don't think we should. Look, uh, just g- give me a second and we can cut whatever the hell out, right? Um, Wahlberg's got that assault in his record, in his past. That's public, that's public record. Everybody knows that, you know? And he's gone forward and we haven't really seen... Well, as far as I know, there's nothing else like that and he regrets it and it's a black mark in his fucking history. The problem... I have with the McGregor end of things, aside from the very nature of everything that's sort of stacking up in his backlog of shitty behavior, is that there's no change. There's no. There's no. There won't getting be. his shit together. There won't. Be. And there won't
2: be. Yeah, because he's a vile, egotistical
0: fucking creature. Well, now he's a <laughs> narcissist. Remember where you wanted to sit on the sort of fence there for a minute, like and then went straight into attack. Um, I'm being careful with my phrasing here. Um, Irish Irish libel laws around what you accuse somebody of doing are very uh, punitive, apparently. So we have to be very careful how we phrase things. Um, Cut, this out. Cut that out. No, that's that, that's that's again. I think it's safe to say that Irish libel laws are such that we cannot say specific things, but they are matter of record in some ways. You can go and read yourself about Conor McGregor. Um, as a result of his behavior over the last few years, like people see people in America, I think are going to be well aware of like. You know, he threw a phone at somebody or he got in a plane and he, he attacked somebody at that fucking car park. You know, they just aren't aware of the stuff that like tips him over into fuck this guy forever, basically. Uh, fuck him forever and fuck people that are buying his whiskey and fucking bigging him up and promoting him. Yeah. True that. I And true the, that. And the fucking rest of Ireland should be on the same page about this and it bothers me when we don't see it. Um, I know. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, like... Again, it's completely on record that he hit an old man in a pub who wouldn't drink his whiskey. Mm -hmm. And again, he barred that old man then. And these are the things we're saying he did. So uh, that Roadhouse movie will just disappear into the Amazon algorithm. And I won't watch it. They've made two or three sequels. I can't
2: imagine that's going to be any good. I, I won't watch it. I never drank his whiskey. I won't touch a thing that that lad is around. I just don't want to know. Yeah, he he had a golden opportunity, and
0: he unfortunately went down the wrong path. As far as I'm concerned, he didn't um, he didn't go down the path, but he just, he's just he just stayed true path. to who just, he was. I well, I see. I don't even want to fucking do that because, like at the beginning of at the beginning nah, of the man's career, you just go, hey, this guy's digging up. Maybe he'll make something of himself, and what he's made of himself is a fucking menace. Let's move on to happier things though. Last week, Kevin, we said we were going to watch Bottle Rocket because neither of you neither of you, neither of us have seen it, and it's a gap in our Wes Andersonia. Is that a word? Um mm. Have you seen Bottle Rocket, Brian? Yep. Yeah, Do Brian like references
1: before on the podcast.
0: Well, I'm just for the listeners.
1: Making sure <laughs> we're all on the same page. Um, they can go back and listen. I'm not repeating yeah. myself.
0: <laughs> Gross. Um did you enjoy it, Kevin?
2: Yep.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> did you, did you I, not uh, enjoy it?
2: I watched it. Uh, I, I was... I fell asleep during one or two bits of it. Um, I'll be honest with you. I watched it uh, last night with uh, Emer, Sive and Mark. And right. uh, I I dozed through one or two bits. But, uh, look, I liked it. I, I liked it. It was fine. Um, what would I rate it out of five on the old letterboxed? Well, let's, uh, let, let's,
0: let's get let's get to the rate and let's talk it through a wee bit. This is this is Wes Anderson's first movie, right? It's pretty um, it's pretty accomplished technically to be his first, maybe his first feature. Does he have shorts in his background? Was this anything?
2: Uh, Owen Wilson, Wilson's technically Owen Wilson's first movie. Yeah, the, the Wilson analog, did apparently. Owen Wilson did a short in 1994 called Bottle Rocket and then this was their next movie in 1996, it was his first movie and then he went on and did like Anaconda and blah, blah, blah. and it's just like wow, Owen Wilson went from Bottle Rocket to like <laughs> stardom, you know, so funny so Anaconda's a great did, movie So did Owen Wilson So was Bottle Rocket
0: the short made with Wade Anderson then, yeah? And then they they scaled it up to a feature? Must Is that be, what we're yeah. saying. You're you presenting me information. I didn't like didn't, I just looked at his IMBD dude, Brian, this guy. Like I had an image in my head of this movie as being ropey as fuck. As being like first film almost super eighty kind of wobbly studenty film. And
1: I could have, I could have sworn you watched it with us in Dun Laoghaire in the house we had.
0: I have a memory of it being on, but I don't okay. remember the film at all All i do remember like i wasn't i wasn't into it and wasn't interested or whatever i think we were supposed to be going out or something and okay uh, a movie got put on i'm like what the fuck is
2: happening (laughs) i think i was more like are we not leaving excuse me (laughs) whereas where's anderson did the bottle rocket 30 minutes short in 1994 with the two guys as well and then they made a movie about it
0: Right, so they they had a grounding in what this film was going to be before they scaled it up to the feature. Because yes. it it has a lot of like it has a lot of like Wes Anderson stuff as well in terms of like its pacing and its shot construction. Um, it's a little it's a little looser. It's a little more traditional. Uh,
2: the second right? half of it definitely feels more Wes Andersony for sure. Once yeah. they once they get once they have the Volkswagen, and they're all in the yellow jumpsuits and they're all kind of being, you know, just chaotic, goofy and, caper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really it really takes very kind of when as it's turn there and you can see the beginnings of like how he kind of his cinematography in, mm. in the movie i think you know there's mm. some shots where it's like it may not be super symmetrical but you can see like there's, there's a shot of the guy sitting on a couch the couch and the way they sit and everything is very framed and stuff mm. but there's a couple of people in the background that aren't super symmetrical where i think if he does it now it's like even though there might be like four different people in the background they're resonant in a way that kind of complements the shot and makes it more symmetrical
0: the way the camera moves as well like the the mm-hmm. like the this like telephoto zoom stuff happening there, which whoop just like up into mm-hmm. people's faces and stuff. Um I the opening shot is Owen Wilson opening the windows and it's close up of his face and um then I realised it was Luke Wilson. Um those guys looked a lot more like when they were younger. I guess uh Luke was a sound a like lot more blonde well. in his hair at that point. Um I don't know if he was dying it blonde or is he dying it black. Um but it darkened even as the film went on, I think. That that opening was fun though, the like
2: Climbing yes. out the window on the rope. <laughs> Who's helping you? Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Good, good. Um, um, good. Yeah, well, interesting, like, kind of, to see Owen Wilson and stuff so young. I was, like, I was watching it going like, wow, he is super, super young in this. And then when you actually go to it, it's just like, yeah, it was his first movie, basically. Then he did The Cable Guy, and then he did Anaconda. The Cable Guy? Who's he in The Cable Guy? <laughs> I don't know. It's the second movie, dude. It's
1: probably like a short part. Brian would probably know. He's the date that Broderick's uh, ex goes on. He goes into the bathroom right. and then Jim Carrey assaults him in the bathroom while Pusher Man. I think it's, it's Pusher Man. It's mm-hmm. a song from Superfly is playing anyway. And it's a very funny right. song. Because uh, Owen Wilson is getting beat up by... Jim Carrey, and he's making him like suck the hand dryer and stuff. And Ron <laughs> Wilson, Wilson can barely keep his straight face during the whole thing. It's very funny. <laughs> Jesus Christ!
0: Should we watch Cable Guy for next week? I haven't. No, seen we're watching The Barbarian. Should we watch Cable I, Guy? I too?
2: love
1: Cable Guy. Cable's good. is great. For-
0: Let's watch Cable, Cable Guy again. Um, Cable Wait, Guy, gotta, gotta watch Barbarian first. I'll watch. You I'll watch Barbarian. barbarian. I will watch Barbarian, if we can also talk about Cable Guy, just to help me get through it. Sure. <laughs> okay, we, let's rewatch that again. I, I really enjoyed James Cann. I haven't seen him in ages, but like...
1: He's dead now. Uh, is he dead now? He is, fuck.
0: The
2: kimono and the little top knot he has at one point, when he's just sitting there. I know, around. it's so funny. I feel like James Cann did that because uh, they told, like, basically, we're going to have you like this fucking standing up to this guy and doing this and that and he's just like yeah that, that fits what I want to be like that's, that's, that's what I want to look like do you think that came from Cannes or do you think it came from Anderson I think I think there was a couple of young guys that got James Can in a movie and indulged him because he's definitely I guess he's I wonder is he in any more Wes Anderson movies uh, I don't know because the next
0: one's Rushmore right
2: uh, yes
0: have you seen Rushmore yes we covered this last week Okay. yes I have not
2: I've definitely seen Rushmore. Okay. Oh no. But I, I have I've seen so much. are like, obviously talking about it last time. But I've seen fuck all of Wes Anderson's back catalog. Like mm. I've seen
0: very little. Well, that's why I'm asking. Have you seen Rushmore? Will we will we pop that in for next week? Will we just work chron- chronologically. No. Um, but I'm also stacking too much stuff up for next week. We're definitely watching Barbarian.
2: What's What did you give it out of five? Uh, maybe like a two point five three wow that's not very like it's not like but you know to be honest i slept like i said I, I i i slept through bits different bits and pieces of it so you know i can't really um can't review it too strongly however though um like you know i like other types of movies you know
0: okay 2.5 like,
2: <laughs> three yeah like basically yeah. Like, i'm actually actually kind of like this podcast is actually costing me money at this stage i'm i'm in negative negative equity <laughs> explain uh i had to pay for that
1: movie i had to rent it aiden's gonna reimburse us for all that oh okay okay you we just, just gotta fill out the, out the the, the, the form yeah you just gotta fill out the form yeah Claim for well okay yeah, for hold on you watched four it with, Euro.
0: you watched it with uh syve and as well and mark yep and mark did they enjoy it
1: um yeah i think so
2: yeah or were they sat, like i like, the whole time
0: did you all just like come home after <laughs> the pub with a couple of pints and a giant <laughs> in, and then went let's put on a Wes anderson movie that i need to watch for tomorrow and the four of you fell asleep on the couch and now you're like
2: two Two
0: out of five. We were
2: playing a very intense board game initially. Right. And uh, and I guess we were probably just exhausted after that. So, safe to say you weren't in the best of mindsets to
0: watch a film at that hour of the day.
2: Uh, excuse me, do not
0: safe to bet anything. Safe to not bet. <laughs> so, look, it's not my favourite Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, Fuck you. It's pretty. It's funny. It's well made. Uh, the 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 heist is great fun. Um, yes, it is. I would be giving it closer to a, a three five to four. You know, like I'd Fair. I'd have it at a higher end for sure. I think like I'm finding this with the letterbox stuff. I'm not picking movies I don't like and giving them one stars. You know, I enjoyed I enjoyed I enjoyed Bottle Rocket quite a bit. It's really good fun. Um, I loved seeing um, a really young Owen Wilson. He's so sharp looking, and um, especially with that little haircut and like the the white outfits cool. Um, I like I, I like two point five uh, is really harsh man,
2: <laughs> but no but look man like kind of yeah I don't, wanna, I, I don't okay
1: but be, a thumbs up or a thumbs down
2: Ah, thumbs up you know like the thing is it's fun from what I saw you know um and like I I because be honest like uh I I probably like kind of been hard on myself in the sense I probably saw more than I actually think yeah. but. Um, but it's. Funnier. I just don't want. I just. I just. Yeah. I just being apprehensive because I was aware that I stepped through elements of it. But mm. I kind of. You know. It was, it was nice to see Luke and Owen Wilson, kind of like doing something like that. And like it's like it's like when I watch Swingers at you, Brian. It's like it's just cool to see like these guys back in the day doing this stuff. And it's nice. It is good to see. It's like it's good to see like a young man Anderson doing stuff with like the Wilsons and all that kind of jazz. It's nice to see it.
0: There, there is a thing like that I've talked about before where you like you see the 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 fruition of effort. Like, I've seen people that did, like, Kickstarters or GoFundMes to make films, you know, and, and people through social media that have made made films and stuff. And you go and, like, even at this point, a Kevin Smith movie is going and seeing, you know, a guy you like do a thing. It's not a fucking fantastic movie at any stretch of the imagination, but you enjoy seeing somebody do a thing they like doing, and you kind of enjoy the world of their people, you know? I, I mean, saying... But I do think that's a sort of more dismissive category of film. Like, this isn't like your mate's made a short... Thumbs up from me. Closer to four stars. The only reason it's not is it's it's a little slow. It's a little aimless, um, in places. But that's also just the nature of making a movie at a tiny budget in the nineties. Yes.
2: Yep. Yep. Damn, I, I can think appreciate more it than makes it, what makes it, what up for it with character and style. Yep. I think. I think it's uh, for what it begun. Uh, it's a uh, it's a great outing. What's the plan for this week? Going anywhere? Doing anything? Any mad projects? Uh, John Mulaney. John Mulaney on Wednesday. Bag of Cats on Friday. Friday, isn't it? Yeah, no. Friday, Friday. Friday. Um,
0: Chaplains, Friday, oh, yes. the 20th. Yes. Get your tickets yep. now at Bag of Cats Group on Instagram. Yes. Um, uh, and uh, then, yeah. We, we like, have a great lineup. Um, it's going to be fun. Yep. Um, I, I have to get there for six o'clock or just after six o'clock to set up. I'm the one driving all the gear in this week, which means I have to park the would car it, and go home right after the
2: gig but would um, it, it Would it's, it's not close to the shop is it it wouldn't help you to drop stuff into the studio the night before depends how much stuff you have yeah I just have to take it home anyway like it's it's just yeah.
0: Connor's away that week so it's just going to be five of okay. us but if I could drive I'd do it for you but no it's alright I love I love the sentiment but I, I asked too much um, it's, as, it's as good for me to say um, do a show and go home rather than get pissed on a Friday night <laughs> My liver can't take it, um, but we've a good we've a good show lined up. We've got some good standups. Right. We got some sketch comedy. We got some improv comedy. It's gonna be fun. Mulaney's gonna be good. I hope Mulaney's excited. Bradley, you're
1: going to for that? Hopefully, yeah. I have some nonsense to take care of, but I should. Well,
2: you keep us posted.
1: I ah, we'll keep do. us
2: posted, buddy. Yes, yeah, so I think that's like kind of our, our the main things for next week for sure. Anyways,
0: I'd imagine Millaney's go- I'm looking forward to Mulaney specifically because it's in the Olympia. Um, a number of things i've seen of the last few years has been the three arena and um, i don't care for that place i may as well be at home watching my telly and um, the three arena feels more like a more human venue hm i saw
2: the I'm hmm? impractical jokers in the three arena yes
0: me too we, were we there together
2: oh yeah we did we go together we did did we or did i go with fekka
0: you definitely went with fekka one time hmm I remember because,
2: that. I think I, I only saw it. I only saw it once. Anyways, hmm. uh, I was going to say something else there because, uh, uh, on a side note, I have I am in the third season of Dairy Girls, and Dairy Girls is very good.
0: I have only seen one season of that. I tried to watch the second season when Netflix put the second season up.
1: I think but it's they, back it, on now. I think. I think it is
0: now, but it yeah. it um.
1: Was i just like watch a, weekend, it. a little speed bump
0: yeah they they fucked up some licensing thing and they just put it up and then they were like oh shit we can't do this and they had to take it down and then i was like well they're going to sort that out it's
2: going to go up again in a month right and it took like two and a half years yeah so dairy girls season one and two are on netflix and season three is on four od and i really 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 enjoy dairy girls i think it's so well written all the characters i feel like uh lisa mcgee is the original creator but um, I think, like, uh, it's one of those ones where, like, I, I feel like she could take any character from that show and drop them into some random situation and she knows exactly how they're going to react. You know, they're just so, they're so clear cut. Like, every reaction or everything that they do, it's so indicative of that character. Like, you really, it's really, it's really well done. It's a mm. great show. I think it's very funny anyways. I think it's great. Uh, uh, Some of it's gas, like, you know, kind of like, you kind of just, just, obviously, you know, we all grew up uh, in the 90s more or less uh nineties early early noughties and stuff but just seeing like kind of you know the stuff that they're going through and the different things going on it's nice it's good it's good fun yeah Dairy Girls is a good show. yeah it's a good show yeah uh, I don't know why like you know it's it's a Channel Four production right?
1: Yeah I think so yeah
2: yeah it's Channel Four with Hattrick. Are Hattrick Irish? It's mad how Orty just can't create good content. The best Irish stuff we is from Channel Four. Like, it is terrified to say that because he he wants to bow <laughs> down to the Orty legions. Don't worry, pal. You get your you'll get your bloody family fortunes reboot. You'll fucking get presenter your gravy job
0: eventually. Train. I mean, if I mean,
2: yeah, if I can host winning streak, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the reboot of winning streak. You be doing Teddy bingo, buddy. Um, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dairy Girls, great. Uh, I don't think, I'm trying to just think if I watched anything else this week, but I don't think so. Ball Rocket, Dairy Girls, uh, I think yeah. that, that, that was it. I had, I'd have to look into it, but yeah, I think that was it. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to think what else I did. I mean, I went to see, I went to see comedy on Friday night, um, just like as a punter. Uh went to Hysteria, and it was very, very, very funny. Like, really like kick up the arse, go and write some shit funny. Hmm, Good. And then uh then I went to Hacienda and ended up in Workman's and Did you get into the Hacienda? Yeah, I'm not mad on Hacienda specifically because of
2: that fucking shit. Um but it was fine. Um, I got in there for years and I didn't realise or know that there was any sort of kind of say vetting process. That there wasn't any way. Yeah, yeah, I got in there for years, never had a bother i remember somebody telling me like oh like i actually but then like i i i knew a lad there for a while then uh coincidentally after like you know after a while but um uh but no like i got there for years never knew anything about the place and then i remember somebody telling me once like we're talking about last and he's like oh i can't he's like i've always heard about like i never get in it's just like why it's like it's like it's it's just you know you know, around the corner or whatever. He's just like, oh, your man's like kind of like real choosy, real picky. And I was just like, oh, geez, I never experienced that in my life. You know, next night I literally like went down to La Hacienda, didn't get in. It's like, all right, you literally locked the door. Your man come out, nah. And I was like, oh, okay, it's like fuck me then. You know, Sarah and Emer and everybody was inside or something, or at least definitely Emer's brother was inside. Yeah. But it was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like, all right, you know, the, weird.
0: The the guy I was with, um, I don't, I don't know. I'll cut this. Um, I've any time I've gone up, we've got in. Because um, I don't think he vets that badly. I think he would have to be drunken and leery, or whatever the fuck, or or they'd be full, or whatever. You know, like uh, the the negative association I have from it is I don't like vetting processes to begin with. You're either a business or you aren't. Let me in. I'm not going to be a dickhead. And the other one is that time I went with Scruff and we were playing pool, and this guy with nothing else to do with his day showed up, put his coin down. I've got next and suddenly it was Winner Stays On and I mean this guy had brought his own cue oh what a fucking loser so he just mopped the floor with everybody then went and sat up at the bar at his pint and we were like "Now we're good thanks and a couple came along and wanted to play and they put a coin in and he walked right back up and goes it's Winner Stays On I'm playing and he you know got between this guy and his girlfriend who wanted to play pool and just kicked his ass or kicked her ass or whoever it was playing and just just really made it kind of hostile and we were just yeah. like right he was an right ass up.
1: like whatever if there's a fucking house rules or something but you know people just wanted to come in and play each other mm. you know? but also
2: don't be that one guy enforcing the house rules it was, yeah, was kind of
1: it was kind of
0: empty as oh, well it was gosh. like a Sunday afternoon there weren't a lot of people around and the guy with his girlfriend I, he went up to the bar and was like hey listen like there's two pool tables here I just want to play with my girlfriend and the bartender's response was
2: get better yeah that's all toxic stuff isn't it it's all just crappy toxic humus modic energy these guys are useless waste of space and I'm sure they're I mean, not happy you, in
1: themselves that's the thing is like you know I remember in the show like if, if if a couple of people were playing doesn't matter if it's like a couple or a group of friends or something if they're playing the idea is you can't hog the table so like somebody's more than welcome to come up put their coin down and there can be a queue of coins and like that that coin is for whoever wants to play so if the three of us are playing and we're playing and it's me and Aiden and Aiden wins and Aiden stays on and it's this back and forth second somebody comes up and puts a coin once our game is done it's done whoever put the coin down can then play whoever they want to play And if they're there by themselves they might say hey do you want to play and You go, yeah sure no problem Mm-hmm. but if, if another person comes in and puts a coin down that guy doesn't get to stay on it's it's whoever puts yeah. that coin down gets to play whoever the fuck yeah, he wants to play the guy was about it at all yeah, like he was, it
2: was I'm, just loser loser, yeah. loser. oh asshole. my god yeah, yeah. yeah. can't wait can't wait to go down there and find him so that, that
0: <laughs> that's why I have since got a negative association with the place and you know like uh, we went and we just sat around the pool table and chatted and whatever and it was fine but it was like it's just who needs the fucking. Oh, I don't. I don't need to be tiptoeing around the owner who fucking might. Like, no, not, absolutely not.
2: End. And, fuck and fuck it's me. like it's not like at the end of the day, like it's just a fucking bar. He needs you. We do not need him. People need to fucking cop on and like grow up and listen to this bullshit. Tattoo artists are nightmares for it. Don't leave that in. <laughs> but, uh, but no. But I just I just hate this thing of like you're providing the service. Oh, Where the I'm... fuck is the chip in the shoulder for you? You know. But sure, <laughs> out to everybody, isn't it? Fucking the world over every industry uh,
0: of course one day we'll uh, we'll head down to Hacienda and find ourselves getting menued oh killed I, I will, oh yes
1: I understand I will glass someone before I let that happen
2: yeah he's an older man I could over I could I, I, you know I'm not the strongest but I could definitely overpower him how many old men in a pub do you think you could
1: punch oh a hundred easily that, that's a minimum <laughs>